Hello and welcome to the Berman Hour podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman. My guest this week is Chris Stowe. He runs AF Records. He's one of a multitude of Chris's in the AF Records anti-flag ecosystem. He also plays in the band Night Marathons. He's also a dad, so we talk about some dad stuff. We also talk about streaming, the legitimacy or lack thereof of Spotify play counts, friends who have really dumb hobbies. We get into some, you know, some fun stuff here. We also have to talk very quietly in this episode, so you might want to turn your volume up a little bit. And at one point, you might hear my son, Thaddeus, uh, crying in the background. But I assure you, it's it's very, very light. But anyway, the Berman Hour podcast is a fan-supported and listener-supported podcast. The best way in which you can support this podcast now is by ordering the new Divided Heaven record, Oblivion. If you've already ordered it or you're trepidatious about ordering it, find it on Bandcamp or any of your preferred streaming services and give it a listen. I think you'll like it. AF Records put out this record. It came out February 4th. The vinyl is coming in a few weeks. And if you're in Europe or the rest of the world, Gunner Records, based out of Germany, put out this record. And they, too, are going to have vinyl and CDs in the next few weeks here, which is very, very exciting. Uh, It really is an honor to be associated with AF Records and the uh, anti-flag camp in general. They're one of my favorite bands. AF Records is one of my favorite record labels. I love Hanalei, I love John Snodgrass, I love Night Marathons, uh, and they've always just had great bands and great songwriters on the label, and I am happy to be in such good company. So thanks to them, thanks to Chris Stowe for uh, <laughs> letting me keep you up and uh, asking you some questions here for the podcast, and thanks to all of you for listening. My episode last week, that was a tribute to my father who just passed away. I got a lot of really great feedback from that, and it uh, it makes me feel good. So thank you very much. Thanks for supporting the Berman Hour podcast. Thanks for supporting our partners in this endeavor, punknews.org. Go for the news. Uh, disavow the comments. <laughs> they fucking hate me in those comment boards. My goodness. But... That just means I'm doing something right, right? Thanks to Punk News. Thanks to Chris Stowe. And enjoy this conversation, y'all. Peace. Like, I might have to disappoint somebody. And that's also very hard for me, is being in a situation where certainly someone will be disappointed and needing to make sure that like that's not my family but Mm -hmm. it still sucks to have to disappoint the other people that you have to disappoint yeah yeah you are probably uh i think either the third or second to last uh, podcast guest that i'm having for that exact reason um (laughs) my intent is not to drop it altogether because it's with by not touring the same way that I was it's a good way to remain a conduit to that world in in a lot of ways yeah um but honestly I'm surprised you know my my baby just turned 10 months a few days ago I'm surprised that I kept the podcast going this long because there were just certain nights or strings of nights where I thought to myself how many times do I have to fucking reschedule this interview with this person and to do this and 
like when I was for when I was first starting to put out records, I would be so extremely involved in that record and like in the songs and like I would have way more personal ownership to that than I used to. But now it's like I have this person that exists out of nowhere and she needs me to tell her like what everything is all the time. And it's kind of like the most magical thing ever. And it's more important to me that I have the mental space to be able to like field those questions in like the most kind and silly and fucking goofy way because like she's going to remember all this shit. Like the other day, she was like, nose? I have two nose? I have two nose. And she was pointing. She's like, two? Daddy, two? And I'm like, those are nostrils. And she's like, nostrils. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, I do this all the time. There's like, the world is a fucking insane place. You don't even know what your own self is. You don't even know that you have nostrils, right? And That's you don't crazy. remember when you learned that. So like, what what is your reference for teaching that moment? But otherwise yep. to just experience it for what it is. Yep. And you're just like, those are nostrils. That's where the air goes in. You have one on each side and then they meet in the middle back there, I think. I think that's what happens. And that's your sinus up there. It does some other stuff. That's when you sneeze, stuff comes out of there. She's like, mm, I do a big sneeze. I'm like, yeah, sometimes we do a big sneeze. And it's just like, this is way more important to me than basically anything that ever happens in the rest of the world. So it's like, that's the part that I realized when I was having this fucking super hard time. I was frustrated that I wasn't getting enough done at work or I wasn't like doing enough or like that I was so behind. I'm like, how the fuck am I this behind? Um, but yeah, that's kind of the epiphany that I had. It's just like, it doesn't fucking matter. Just like, that art's going to be there. It's going to exist, whether you were uh, insanely contrib- contributive to that or, or or not. Like, it's more important that I'm insanely contributing to telling Willow what nostrils are. So in the grand scheme of things, like, that's more important. That was right. kind of the one of the epiphanies I had. Yeah. On this topic, there were... Uh, a few things that happened that kind of led to my wife and I getting pregnant. Well, obviously one of them. Okay. We'll, we'll keep the show PG. We don't need to get into what that was, but that sure. that obviously took place. Um, we got a dog either the the day or a couple days before. We think the uh, um, you know the uh, the moment happened, and and she's a, a love. We adopted a. a eight month or excuse me, an eight year old chocolate lab named Maggie. Lab. Okay. And it was great and just brought so much love into the house immediately. And the other thing is I had this conversation with you that really stuck in my mind because okay. you and I had just kind of started talking about maybe doing this record together and yada yada. So this is the fall September of twenty twenty. And I remember you just kinda of like were very, very stern about the experience and expectations and and like we know each other but we don't know each other that uh, uh casually or, or friendly and it was it was a very uh, cordial conversation of course but it it definitely stuck with me because then i remember when we spoke a few months later to just kind of check in about the status of things 
I remember with great delight, I could say to you, by the way, this happened. And it was yeah. like, like a few days within a few days of when we actually had this fucking conversation about this. So, um, we didn't name him Chris. His name's Thaddeus, but <laughs> <laughs> there's some spiritual guidance from the stoism of of your uh, your insight. So we greatly appreciate that. No, that's cool. I mean, it's the most insane fucking thing you can do, honestly. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it fucking blows my mind every day having a kid. It's extremely yeah. weird. <laughs> and you, but you've said things to me like these very kind of like. Yoda moments like afterwards where you'll say something to me in a phone conversation and I'll, I'll like run with it for a week and be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> like I remember at one point you said something to me and, and this is a few months ago. So Thaddeus was, you know, acclimated to at least as much as a baby can be. And I remember you said, you know, like the record, like the record's fine. Like it, you'll, it'll be fine because you just had a baby that's way more important and like that's going to be way more important long after this record is not new anymore. And then you said, (laughs) you said, and all your friends and their stupid fucking hobbies that aren't cool anyway, (laughs) like none of that shit matters. Like you have a kid that's way cooler and way more important. And I'm not going to implicate any of my friends who have developed really (laughs) shitty hobbies over this pandemic. Yeah. Notwithstanding yours truly, who started a, another white dude with a podcast, right? But, uh, but yeah, I think about some of those people sometimes, and I see what they're doing on social media, and I just think, yeah, Chris Stone, I think you're an idiot, man. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's even like, yeah, I mean, social media is a great example. Like, the entire internet doesn't really fucking exist. Lots of people don't know that. But if you have a toddler walking around, wondering weird shit all the time that's a really good way to not be on the internet and realize that like the world's actually an extremely fucking interesting place if you see it through the eyes of somebody that has no fucking clue what anything is it's crazy the best part is that you get to meet them that's like the gift of it if you let it happen is you get to meet them on that level and it forces you to not give a fuck about the extremely dumb shit that you shouldn't give a fuck about anyway. And it makes you be like, are you trying to say nostrils? Yeah, nostrils, man. Those are nostrils. <laughs> it's cool. I have two. You have two. That makes four nostrils because we're working on math. So like everything is like. Nice. Yeah. Uh, how old is your daughter at this point? She She's two and a half. She's a little over two and a half. She'll be three in August. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's crazy. And her name is Willow? Willow, yeah. Okay, so when AF Records sends out the bi-weekly emails about new (laughs) records and tour dates. a different Willow. And it's posted by Willow. That's not your daughter that's doing that? You did not hire her for AF Records? Okay. No, I did not. That's Willow. uh, That's a different Willow. That's adult Willow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> lots of willows and yeah. lots of chrises in the yeah. uh, af records anti-flag camp uh yeah. all right well, well do you have do you have any i mean i know you just hit me with the uh, internet thing but any other sage advice from yoda christo <laughs> that you can pass along to me at, uh for a 10 month old let's see 10 months i think willow was august uh 
Yeah, so 10 months was like May 2020. So that was when we realized that like the pandemic was not going away. So that was mm-hmm. like the beginning of the pandemic for us. Um, yeah, that was nuts. That's when I realized that like you can't contain this person. Like they're moving around for it's that's the beginning of the wildest phase where they want to run, but cannot be trusted to move on the right. road. <laughs> so you're kind of entering this year of like catastrophe phase mm-hmm. where like, okay, yeah, nope, you can't really do that, but like you should try like that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It gets much easier once they're done with the balance learning, but it takes a while. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't have anything specifically <laughs> sage for you. Unless something occurs to me, but then I'll spout one off if it pops. No, I put you on the spot. I jinxed it (laughs) because otherwise I just kind of lobbed something vaguely in the air and you would just be, you'd hit it out of the park with, you know, your friends are fucking doing stupid hobbies and no one gives a shit about them. Yeah. Everybody's friends are doing fucking stupid hobbies. That's the thing. If they don't have a kid, they have nothing else to do. They have to do stupid hobbies. But if you have a kid, that's the only thing you can do. Which also means that you get to have no stupid hobbies. Yeah. The stupid hobby that's <laughs> I like the most, but it's also like bothers me the most, is that people create these Instagram accounts where they just take photos of a record they're listening to. Okay. Have you noticed this? Nope. It's like they have a record and then they put it on a little stand and they're, you know, whatever. Their IG handle is like punk vinyl or whatever and actually uh, the yeah. guy who runs no, punk, punk vinyl, vinyl. Yeah. uk is is great with all those tournaments yeah. uh he's fucking awesome uh, <laughs> i love it but but a lot there's so many of them now and i'm just thinking to myself like are you listening to these actual are you actually listening or is it just you know like are you just backing up all the traffic at these pressing plants by buying all these reissues that you don't actually listen to just so you can have it on your instagram the thing so i would classify that as a stupid hobby but (laughs) i don't (laughs) but i like it too so (laughs) um yeah you might not know this about me i don't look at instagram unless i really have to and typically if i have to it's been long enough that instagram will have changed and put all the buttons in a different place and it's really confusing and i feel extremely old when i'm when i'm doing it and sometimes if Matt, like if I'm at fest and Massey's like, Hey, so yeah. So Josh Massey does our social media. He's the reason I don't have to look at this fucking stupid internet thing that I don't like anymore. Um, and he's like, Hey, so you're at fest. Can you please take some pictures of stuff and put it on the internet? Because as you know, a business, we should be doing that stuff. I'm like, sure, absolutely. And then I go in there and he's like, yeah, but can you put it on the story? I'm like, Massey, what's the story? So then Massey has to tell me what the fucking story is. So I'm way further behind what you think I'm up to on the internet. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, shout out Josh Massey for sure. Yes, uh, shout out to Josh Massey. Handling the shit. Well, how did you get involved working for AF Records? Was it because you were in a band that was on no, the label? certainly no. not. Um 
I was in a band with Chris number two and Chris head called white wives with, uh, Josh Massey also. And um, Roger Harvey and Roger. Yes. I used to play, uh, I was an acoustic musician before I was anything else. Uh, in high school I was in bands and stuff, but, um, I was an acoustic musician who toured with Roger and then Roger was like, Hey, we need this bass player. It's kind of a cool band. We're trying to do a thing. Um, so I learned how to play the bass and joined white wives was in that band for a bit. And then white wives was going to stop touring and anti-flag was going to start touring again. Um, they needed someone to drive the bandwagon for their warp tour. And I had nothing. Uh, I basically was at the, uh, yeah, I just had fucking zero going on. And two was like, Hey man, you want to do this? It's a cool gig. You could, you know, drive through the entire country. You have to drive this crazy ass fucking machine, but could be cool if you want to try it. Um, so I did very grateful for that opportunity. It was fucking extremely weird. <laughs> driving but wait, warp tour, so you're driving through the night then you're doing night yeah. drives. Yep. So up all night, um, the band and also the bandwagon is like, as big as a semi truck. It's as long as a semi. Yeah. And filled with all of your friends and people that you work for <laughs> yeah. that are asleep and rely on you to not <laughs> fucking kill them, let alone This is like the root of anxiety. Yeah. Like yeah. totally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There was a lot of anxiety. A lot of uh, Yes. Yeah. And sleep deprivation and sleep overly deprivation. caffeinated and all yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so you're driving, you're driving anti-flag around on a warp tour and then you come yep. back from that and you transition that into the office. While we were on that, um, they had AF records, which obviously they started in the nineties and, uh, they put out a bunch of records and then it was more active in the early two thousands. Um, that was kind of the, like, I don't know the punk heyday. Like you can read Dan Ozzy's book about the major label grab for emo bands and punk bands in the early two thousands. Like it was just a fucking giant bubble everywhere. And then when, uh, Napster happened and all the shit happened and, you know, like 2005, the way that records labels used to work is you would make a fuckload of CDs and you would send them to your distributor who would send them to Best Buy. And if you had a good distributor, like Fat had one, AF Records had one too. Back then, if you send them to uh, Best Buy, they'd put them in good placements and they'd all sell because punk was really moving then. Like, Mm -hmm. it was easy to be a punk band in 2002 if you were on a label and had good distribution like Red or... Mortem. Mortem, Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then... The thing about this is, is that uh, Best Buy could return all of those if they wanted to. And so what happened at some point is like the market got extremely like turned into a bubble. And all of a sudden someone sent 20,000 CDs of a band to Best Buy. And then nobody wanted to buy CDs anymore because Napster existed and Kazaa existed and pirating in general existed and all of a sudden you could get music for fucking free 
And so Best Buy just sent those fucking CDs back and then needed their money back from your distributor who had also already sent you the check for those CDs. So now your distributor needed your money back too. So Mm -hmm. like it created this cascade of, yeah, a fucking total meltdown across all of independent music. And that's why a lot of those independent um, distributors closed. Uh, Packet actually talked much better to this because I was just graduating high school and gave no fucks about digital distribution or any of these things back then. Right. Um, but yeah. So basically what happened is they had to scale back and over the course of, you know, the next four years, they stopped doing anything, but they still had the infrastructure for a record label. And I really loved vinyl a lot. And, and vinyl was making a pretty big comeback in you know, 2011 um, when I was doing this warp tour drive, 2012, 2011, 2010, I don't know. I'm fucking old. Um, so that's when I was like, Hey, you guys have a record label. Why don't you let me try to put a record out and see if it works like a vinyl record. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't. But if it does, maybe we can put out more records and maybe the record label can be a thing again. And so they're like, yeah, whatever, I guess give it a shot. And yeah. well, that's a then... great backstory. I just want to interrupt real quick because that sure. was something else I was going to ask was because I Go remember I've, I've told you this like embarrassingly, but like anti-flag is one of my favorite bands and they have been, I grew up in Pennsylvania, even though on the other side of the state, sure. you know, they were one of the first punk bands that I saw fell in love with had their demo and their seven inch and then all their records. And I, I still love them. So I consider it a great honor to be on the label, but I remember when the label came out and then it kind of disappeared. And then I remember when it came back and my band at the time, the boils was playing with thought riot and the code and inhuman and that kind of era of AF bands that seemed to be doing really well. And then everything just kind of went away for a while. So now I have, I have the, uh, the story has been filled in. So yeah. thank you for that. Yes. Well, so I mean, it was basically all, honestly, all of it boils down to there was a major label infrastructure that was built to be a money machine that uh, all of a sudden was disrupted by digital music. And mm-hmm. it took them, I mean, it took everybody like, 10 years to figure out okay well how do we do the same thing but with digital music and like what does that mean and like they're still fucking figuring it out they're still trying to decide how many album streams constitutes one sale for you know ranking a a platinum record you know what i mean right yeah 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 but yeah so that's what happened shit fucking blew up napster fucked us all we're we're (laughs) with metallica pay for your fucking music what was the first record that you did with AF? What was the guinea pig record? So the, the guinea pig record, so this is a testament to two for sure, because any idea he has is uh, your idea plus like four extremes that make it even more crazy, interesting, etc. And so they had this song called Bacon, which is obviously about cops and how awesome they are. Um, and... 
to is that, like that was the comeback record was the bacon record it's just it wasn't a comeback record well not the comeback <laughs> record for the band but for the label oh, and it yes yeah yeah yes so the first thing i got to do was so we used to uh i honestly i had no idea how to do any of this shit i had no idea um i was i just was making it up uh how to do everything and so i'm like okay I, I don't know where to order records from so i looked around the office and i saw the last record that they ordered was uh bright lights of america had a pirates press logo on it i'm like okay cool I'll email them and so i was like hey i'm christo i'm just trying to maybe put a record out how do i go about doing this and i looked on their website and they were doing these thing these die cut records yeah and two had this song called bacon and then um they had this other b-side for it too that was called like a cab or i forget it's also a song about cops so the whole point of the bacon seven inches set or 10 inch or whatever it is was uh these cop songs so i was like what if we did a big pile of raw bacon for the record and have that cut out to just be shaped like a big pile of raw bacon that you put on your record player and then it plays these cop songs and so i bought a bunch of bacon and i had my friend take pictures of it on my kitchen floor and warren i still lived in warren pennsylvania then i was just like driving to pittsburgh to work at af um like three or four days a week i would actually sleep in the office um and then drive home and yeah and that's what we did we sent that and then we made these records that were just a big pile of bacon and we sold them all and i was like hey guys i sold them all and they're like well fuck okay do another one and then um after that i put out worship this and that was the first band i got to pick Mm-hmm. Uh, I put out tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow I'll miss you. Yep, I think yes. <laughs> yeah. So, but if we if we follow the timeline that you established with your story previously, you were doing that at a time where streaming existed, but it didn't exist in the significant format and manner and dominance that it does now. How has because I, 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 I know your personal feelings about this because we've talked about it in terms of business and in terms of uh, our, our personal feelings. But how, how did you kind of see this shift into this Spotify era now? Like what, is, what does that mean for the label and the difficulties of being the conduit between you know, the artists and, and the audience? The way I personally feel about it, which is probably incorrect, but this is how I personally feel. I don't care what Spotify is up to. I I don't. I think that a lot of it is about, and like you can see how that, like the more things they create, like artist dashboard, um, ways to interact with uh, playlists and stuff. It's just like, it's the same thing that any social media company does where they're just trying to keep you in it only. So mm-hmm. basically Spotify wants you to go there and never leave. And that's where you do all of your listening. And they they create little moments like that. It's the same with Facebook, same thing with Instagram. They just want to keep you scrolling, um, which is fine. 
and I use Spotify all the time. Certainly. Um, that's probably how I primarily listen to music, but I'm also aware that it could go away and turn into something else because I'm old enough to have had that happen to me with other shit. Like mp3.com was the big one before, uh, or MySpace was the music metric. MySpace. Yes, absolutely. Um, fuck. What was the other one? Pure volume. Yeah. Yeah. Pure volume was a very big one. And it used to be so big when you could get like on the front page of pure volume in like 2005, that was like the fucking place to be. Yeah. Front page of pure volume. Um, but it's also cool in the same way that like now, if I put a song in the internet, literally anybody can listen to it and discover it in any possible way. Um, but for my purposes and the way I run AF records, I don't specifically care about it because that's not where my heart is with stuff. Um, I like to put out records. I like to give bands the opportunity to press records and have them for good costs. I'm really good at, you know, making a, a good budget sticking to it and Mm -hmm. trying to get bands from one place to another. I'm less concerned personally about like the marketing side and trying to generate that digital income like actively. So if it comes in, it's great. If it doesn't, then also fine because I haven't calculated it at all. Right. 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 I want to talk about the new. No, no. I I appreciate your honesty because (laughs) I was trying to pivot, but then no. Let's let's dive in for a second because the MySpace metric was king. Yep. And the number of plays you had on that became a thing that has carried over to Spotify. I'm not as familiar with Apple Music anymore or any of the other streaming services, to be honest, but I think that Spotify might be the only one that has the play count. And so that becomes a a matter of competition between artists, which I think can be a little bit healthy, but it also turns into a payola thing, which is what the whole purpose that we've been trying to avoid for since rock and roll pretty much was invented. Right. So I'm torn like as a consumer <laughs> and as an artist, like I kind of, fi- I find that my vibe moves in different directions and sometimes it's, I don't, it's, it's conflicting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't know how to, I, I don't know how to reconcile my own feelings about it as somebody who gets paid through streaming but also not really getting paid enough to truly give a shit about it because I, uh, I'm never yeah. going to compete with, with the Sheerans of the world or, or whoever. Yeah. So to use your MySpace example, um, there used to – yeah. So I played a show with a band somewhere. Won't dox them. But they were cool. They seemed fun. And when I play shows with bands, uh, then – that are cool. I'm like, Hey, what's your deal? Do you have a record? Like, do you want to talk about making a record? Like, are you nice? Like all the things I ask before I try to talk to mention, I run a record label because it's important to never sign people that aren't nice. Cause that is annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, so you always, that's my first criteria is like, you must be at least kind of nice. Um, 
So I saw this band and they were super cool. They, they were fun and they were nice. And I was like, oh, cool. I, I uh, run a very small record label. I don't know if you're trying to get your records in. I don't know what you're up to, but like if you have records, maybe you want to put out, we could maybe talk about it. I don't know. It's always weird when you talk to bands. And they're like, yeah, I mean, we have a couple managers and like, um, you know, there's like this, that like these are, these are some channels you'd have to go through. And I'm like, oh, it's fucking weird because I don't normally play shows with bands like that. Yeah. I'm like, huh, okay. And they're like, yeah, well, we have like some singles and like we're really trying to shop the shit around. And I'm looking at their Spotify in after the fact. And I'm like, this is fucking extremely strange. They have two EPs. One of these songs has two million plays and the rest of the songs have like a thousand plays that's fucking odd as hell right it reminds me of the thing i used to do when i was an acoustic act who needed to generate enough myspace followers to justify a venue emailing me back so i could book a show i would just use a fucking bot and add as many human people as i could possibly add all night i used to stay up all night adding friends that didn't necessarily exist because that's just what you ground out on myspace to try to get your follower count up i remember and, those days very well <laughs> yeah so it's the same fucking dumb game it's fucking stupid and most of it's fake it doesn't necessarily mean anything or matter but lots of people put weight on it and uh i think that that's a mistake because the more you start looking at that shit the more you stop paying attention to the art, the, like if you're caring about your Spotify plays and you're making shittier songs than you probably should be. Um, but it's, it's tough when you're trying to do it as a career because that is sometimes the foot in the door to an opportunity. So I also see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, but sure. I don't actively participate in it because it fucking annoys me. And that's, that's just where, that's just where I get to be because I am small enough not to have to give a shit about that. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, I just wish there was a little bit more transparency because I think it would make for a healthier Spotify ecosystem. Um, you know, like there, there's a woman, um, what's her name? Allie, uh, uh, Hagendorf or whatever her name is, but she's the head of rock music at Spotify. Sure. So it's like, you know, if uh, whoever is going to have a new single, then like management contacts her and they work out a deal. Um, I'm not going to defend that process, but at least it's a process <laughs> that's, that's understood. You know what I mean? But like, the, for example, there we had a few songs that got on editorial playlists. And so I would, I was appreciative of that. And it, it sure. jumped a song that probably would have had like 10 or 15,000 plays to like 70 or 80, you know, and then it kind of grew from there. And like, I, as we were touring, I would see the benefits of that just of like this one song that summer. And then the next summer is another song. So it fueled me to like put out a better record with better songs than I previously did because otherwise I'm just, you know, uh, winding my watch, not doing anything that I should be doing, right? So, like, yeah, I would want to, but then, like, you go back to this mysterious well of whoever chose this song out of obscurity to, of yours previously to put on a, a playlist, and then there's, you know, there's shakeup and there's reorganization and people change jobs, 
And it's like, you never really get a, a sense of, of what, but for me, punk rock was always predicated on like creating a community and then building upon it so that everybody would have some semblance of equal opportunity. And the more that we're kind of into this Spotify thing, and now with this new Divided Heaven record, Oblivion, it's the fourth record, I found that it's like has the least immediate traction on Spotify in terms of like their editorial and their internal stuff. And to me, that just seems like kind of perpendicular to the process of what we were doing. Like we're putting out records because we we're putting out records and we want people to spin it on their turntable. But the Spotify thing has become so essential. We don't want to not succeed at it. I don't know. I, does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. It's like, I don't know. It's a dumb fucking game. It's the whole thing is just who you know, and it just reminds me of fucking high school shit. Yeah, just, exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's just fucking dumb. And whenever I run into a situation like that, my response is, well, I don't want to fucking play your your game. It's dumb. It's based on is this is a popularity contest. Well, that's fucking annoying to me. So I'm not going to do it. So that's my own weird personality that feels like that. Not to say that anybody shouldn't do that or that there isn't valid ways to send your music to people who may or may not be in charge of that sort of thing. But isn't that a little fucking shitty that you can pay enough money to somebody and somebody sees your thing and if you don't, then they don't? Like, isn't that a little fucking lame? Yeah. Doesn't that maybe discount the entire process and mean that it probably shouldn't be a barometer for how we judge what art is successful and what art is not successful? Mm -hmm. There was this thing that I used to do and I've been a long time since I got back to it. But like when I was an acoustic dude and I drove around and lived in my fucking car, all I wanted to do was hit one person a night if I could get through to one person a night if there was one person at that show and I was able to play a song for them that they found meaning in and that that mattered that if I did that enough times and that would be a big enough chain reaction that I could maybe change the way that people felt overall Um, all my acoustic songs and music in general are about you know my own anxiety emotional struggles feeling like shit sadness, things I'm trying to get out and exercise and put into the world in a constructive way. And if I could find somebody that would empathize with those moments at a show, it would make me feel good. And I think that, um, I think that that is kind of still how I feel about all music in general is it's not necessarily the, um, the success that you get to see on screen, or that you ever even get to know about, but it's about like the few, like two to three people that maybe heard that song that you wrote and then went on to feel a different way about themselves. And then that caused a chain reaction in their lives that maybe made someone else's life a little better. And so you can be this like tiny catalyst for very, very positive moments in people's lives without ever even knowing that you're doing that. And that's the real power of music to me in general. So that's kind of why I don't give a shit about the Spotify stuff. It's like, you can't, you can't quantify 
like this girl named Jamie in Tallahassee, like fucking 12 years ago that told me she was going to kill herself and like all this fucking crazy shit. And we got on this big conversation after I played that show. And I was like, yeah, like, she's like, oh, that song really spoke to me. And like, I appreciate all these things that like where you're coming from. And I'm, yeah. I got to share this moment with this person. I was lucky enough to get to do that in person, but like, that's why I'm into this shit. I'm not. Uh, and so, when we when it gets into the when it gets into the Spotify stuff and like plays and who's really listening to your music, I'm more interested in those tiny tiny moments that might blossom into bigger things because that's what your art is fucking for, in my opinion. Because you it's create to, yeah uh, to elicit emotion, not to yeah. elicit data. Yeah, yeah. You you yeah. make something out of thin air inspired by your feelings and emotions and that's magical and the way that that makes other people feel is the thing that matters not necessarily how many times somebody listens to that or like whatever fucking rock playlist gives a shit about that because there's a lot of fucking bad stuff on rock playlists just throwing that out there and music doesn't need to be like that (laughs) (laughs) well that would be a great way to end this podcast conversation but i did want to ask you no you're good i got time just about one more thing yeah (laughs) um abandon was the the newest single that night marathons did Hmm. is there more it was great it was great is is it a a lead to something else it just it kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere i mean i know everything seems like it comes out of nowhere now after this (laughs) pandemic but um is is there more uh, forthcoming? Yeah, yeah, we have the whole record. Um, uh, we just have to record it. It's been super tough to um, record or do anything. Uh, I've been like personally super super locked down because you know I have a kid, mm-hmm. and but we're now at the point where we can start recording, and as long as cases stay low, I think that we'll. I think we'll have that out by fest. Pretty sure. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So new night marathons record, but I wanted to do that to get it on the, uh, on that grace benefit comp that we did for fest last year. That was important to me. Uh, a lot of cool songs on that. And then also that was a really good cause. So we're like, let's just fucking crush this demo real quick and then put it out there. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks man. And thanks for fucking putting out my record. I, I, I really can't tell you how much I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. You were nice. That was the first step. I was nice. Yeah. Well, I am nice. <laughs> I was nice until right now. No. Oh, I don't no, know. Man. Did I say, yeah. Did I fucking rant too hard about Spotify? I always do that. No, no, it was perfect, man. It was perfect. I'm leaving it in. There you have it, Chris Stowe from AF Records and Night Marathons, telling it like it is. Thank you, Chris. Thanks again to our partners at punknews.org. Thanks to all of you for listening. And thanks to those of you who uh, have ordered, pre-ordered, the new Divided Heaven record, Oblivion. You can do so by going to AF Records, by going to dividedheaven.com. And uh, if you're a streaming person, even after this conversation, we won't hold it against you. We assure you. But you can find the new record, Oblivion, on any streaming service of your choice. All right, y'all. I'll see you next week. Thank you.
Let's go.